0: you are listening to Open Mic Friday, Law and Gospel, on this August the 28th in the year of our Lord 2020. And because we're not in the studio, we can't take phone calls, so we're instead addressing emails that are sent to us or letters. Uh, Today there's going to be a letter, and the email would be at Gospel at Dot Com. Today's letter comes from an individual. Dear Pastor Tom, thanks so much. My question is, by grace I have been saved through faith. This is a gift from God, not of works, and then we cannot boast. I am just guessing this is because of what and how Paul teaches. Do all other faiths base heaven on works? Well, I would answer that question, the first question asked, that no, there are a number of faiths in the Christian realm that say they do not base Our salvation on works. Now, there are some that do, such as the uh, papacy, but uh, a lot of them like to say that we're saved by grace, even though they may contradict that. Now, how do some of these Christian faiths contradict that we're not saved by works? By refusing to baptize infants, they are definitely teaching that an infant cannot be saved by water because the infant needs to make a decision in order to have faith, and infants can't do that. So there's an example where even though the church doesn't believe that they're saved by works, by their practice, they're definitely giving the understanding that salvation is by works. So when I often say that every faith outside of Christianity is a work religion, what I mean by that is just examine uh, Hinduism, uh, the Muslim faith, Jehovah Witness, Mormonism, and you will find that these false religions tell you what you need to do in order to be saved. And that's why they believe that heaven is on the basis of works. So, the letter goes on. I do not want to believe that heaven is based on works, but it does make me discern if so many faiths base heaven on works. Do the Lutherans have something wrong? and I truly hope not. Yes, I agree with the letter writer that the Lutherans do not have something wrong. If you take a look at Martin Luther, uh, early in his ministry, and I really like the Heidelberg Disputation that he wrote in 1518. It was a bunch of principles and it came really quite obvious that salvation by works was impossible. And of course, Luther just lengthened that thinking throughout his ministry. But the reason that there were some other Christians who disagreed with Luther is because they wanted some kind of assurance that salvation is by works. In fact, there are some Christian denominations that say, Do you want to be sure that you are saved? Then take a look at your works. Are you doing good works? And therefore, they point to your good works as a sign that you are saved. Now, we disagree with that, frankly, because it's very difficult. For someone to examine their works and say they're all good. No, we sin. And we sin not only by deed, we sin by thought and word. The letter writer goes on Besides God the Father, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, is Paul your main? human in your Lutheran faith. No, there is no main human in our Lutheran faith except for the human being Jesus Christ. The reason we really laud the Apostle Paul is that he explains the theology of salvation by grace probably better than anyone else in the Bible. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you hear a lot of the historical events concerning Jesus, and you also read of his sermons that do not disagree at all with what Paul is saying. Unfortunately, there are some Christians who say, well, Jesus, is not speaking when Paul speaks, so I only listen to Jesus. Well, the problem with that point of view is that there's nothing in the Bible that we read that is not from Jesus. Jesus is the one that we need to look to for everything in the Bible. I've said this a number of times when I taught Sunday school teachers, we would take a look at the lesson, and I had one question, where is Jesus? So it didn't matter what the lesson was. I've used this example before, David and Bathsheba. Where is Jesus in that story? Well, when David sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan, the prophet, came to him, told him a story about a man who had a pet lamb and it was stolen from him by the owner of the area and he killed it to feed a guest he had. Well, David was angry. Bring that man to me and I will put him to death. And Nathan then said, Thou art the man. And of course, he was referring to the fact that he had killed Bath. Sheba's husband, stolen all his goods. In fact, David broke every one of the Ten Commandments in dealing with Bathsheba. Then David recognizes what Nathan is saying and says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan says, but your sin is forgiven. Now that's where Jesus is. Why was David's sin forgiven? You gotta remember, David wrote a lot of Psalms. And one of the Psalms, well-known by many people, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's really important Lutheran theology. Now you, you may wonder, are are you sure that there's nothing we ever want? There is a booklet put out by Concordia Publishing House called Portals of Prayer. It comes out in three-month sessions. Uh, this one is July to September 2020. And on Friday, August the 28th, the writer says, Paul's question, if God is for us, who can be against us, may seem rhetorical, meaning the answer is so obvious, the question answers itself. But when we're going through hard times, we may be able to point to all sorts of things or people who are against us, our boss, spouse, the economy, the weather, and even our friends can sometimes seem to be against us, or at least Not for us. Sometimes life in general seems against us. Even our own bodies don't cooperate or help at times. But Paul doesn't let us dwell on that for long. He immediately asks another series of questions to turn our attention back to the fact that God is for us. Would God go to such lengths to save you? only to ignore and abandon you? Would he give you the good gift of his son and withhold other good gifts? If God declares you righteous, who knows better than him to say you are not? Is there anyone better than Jesus himself to intervene on your behalf? What's more powerful than God's love for you. What hard thing can you go through unaccompanied by his loving presence and grace? Say this out loud, God is for me and his grace is sufficient for me. That's the devotion for Friday, August the 28th. And if you'd like to get copies of the Portals of Prayer for a cost, Phone Concordia Publishing House at 1-800-325-3040. All right, we've got uh, another letter, much the same. In fact, this is kind of, um, how shall I say it, a blessing that we aren't in the studio because we're receiving more letters and emails than we usually do. This one talks about, this is just a thank you. I believe you said you were on the road yesterday for some 300 miles and you still found time to call me. I don't think that I will call you again before the end of October. My monthly donation will come by check in the mail. So some individuals send us a monthly donation, and you can get the address of that at the end of the program. I really enjoy hearing about Luther, Calvin, St. Augustine, Paul, etc. I have absolutely no problem with you telling me I'm wrong because you back up your information from the Bible, then, for me, that's it. Example. I thought that apostles, even as fishermen, were probably quite intelligent. But you showed me through the Bible the Gethsemane betrayal. But you also showed me about Paul. And Matthew. Now, I want to clarify that just a bit. I do believe the disciples were intelligent, but intelligence doesn't mean that you are correct. There is a professor who is at the University of Toronto who has a lot of very conservative points of view, and he's against referring to people who are male as a she or as they. And he got in a lot of trouble over that. His IQ is very high. But listening recently to one of his, um, what was it? I think it was a debate he had. He was asked the question about where he's made changes in his thinking. And one of them was he used to believe in Genesis and creationism, but now science has showed him that evolution is the proper way. Now, he has a very high IQ, but he cannot understand the distinction between evolution, that is historic science, making up history. Well, Why does that occur in evolution? where you have to make up history. Well, evolution assumes that God did not create everything in six 24-hour days. Therefore, we know that it takes a long time for diamonds to evolve. They come from trees that then are fossilized, and under great pressure, they become a diamond. And that would take way longer than 6,000 years. So they take a look at the world, seeing many mountains that they think comes about by volcanoes and just did not appear on the first few days of creation. And so they have to guesstimate that, oh, the world is probably millions of years old, especially in order to go from an amoeba to a human being. Once you understand that the world was created with age, for example, if a scientist had been able to walk into the Garden of Eden on a week after its creation, he would have guesstimated that the world was thousands if not millions of years old because trees had fruit on them, mountains were there, all kinds of animals were there. And of course, evolutionists believe that they evolve from other animals, even though the missing links have never been found, like between a monkey and a human being, that they still have this nonsense that God if they believe in God, used evolution. And people with high IQs believe this. So it doesn't matter how high your IQ is, your intelligence quotient, you can really still be pretty dumb when it comes to obvious facts from a scientific point of view. This individual... Continues in his letter. What I find comforting about the Lutheran faith is your understanding of sanctification, not justification. Yes, we are to do works, but they will not say me. I wonder if one can ever hear that enough. And the Holy Spirit, for me, the advocate, he is here with us now. He's in my prayers. Wow. See, this is very helpful information for this individual. I've often said that every Christian really is a Lutheran in their hearts They just don't know it. And by asking them questions, I can show their Lutheran understanding. So let's take a Roman Catholic, typical Roman Catholic, who goes to the Roman Catholic Church, and you would say something like this. If you were to die tonight and you went to heaven, Who will you give all the credit to for your salvation? I have never met a Roman Catholic who says, I would give it to me. No. They know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, and they would give to Jesus all the credit. They don't sometimes realize that even though that is what they believe, there are Other teachings of the papacy, such as purgatory, uh, penance, that's doing good works to make up for your sins, that contradict what they truly believe in their heart. And so there's a whole set of questions that you can ask non Lutherans, and they'll come up with the Lutheran answers because the Holy Spirit is in their heart. And yet they won't be aware that a lot of what they believe is contrary to these items. We made the distinction recently between justification, which is that event whereby God saves you, forgives your sins, and you are righteous in God's sight. Justification is the process by which God takes your sins, puts them on Jesus, and gives you the righteousness of Christ. Sanctification is then how, as a Christian, you respond to this. And what you do is works of the Holy Spirit. But they don't save you, because you've already been saved by the Holy Spirit in giving you faith. That's very important. And I really like this statement. I wonder if we can ever hear that enough. And the answer is no, you can't. Because every sermon needs to focus on what Jesus has done for you. And why, yes, we do good works but not in order to get to heaven, but as a thank you that we are on the way to heaven. The letter continues, righteousness through baptism. My sin has been removed by God. I am righteous, I ask you, but then I sin, what happens? I think you said, I am forgiven by God, and I am righteous. I hope I have this right. No, that is correct. It's kind of like being in a family. The children disobey, but you don't stop them from eating. You don't starve them to death. You continue to give them food. And why do you do that? because they're your children. And in the same way, God continues to bless you with the righteousness of faith. Then this letter writer has a comment that I haven't heard before. He says, freedom of speech and 501c3. That's an IRS understanding of how we can receive donations, KFUO, Concordia Mission Society, etc., and people can take it off their income tax. He says and writes, I hope this one does not get me into too much trouble with you, Pastor Baker. I myself was under the impression that when you qualify, as a 5013C that our government can then tell you what you can and cannot say. Example, you can't speak against abortion. You can't speak against BLM, that's Black Lives Matter. You can't speak against homosexuality. The letter goes on. I realize you are a conservative radio show and I totally respect this about you. My question, are you legally safe to speak out on these issues? That's a really important question. We believe that as we live in the United States of America, we have freedom of speech. Uh, for example, in Canada, They do not have such freedom of speech. A pastor put up a billboard, and all he had on the billboard were verses from the Bible against homosexuality. He was fined by the government for hate speech. That cannot happen in the United States of America. And I kind of look at abortion, that since 1973, more and more people are being convinced that abortion is wrong. And therefore, I believe the same thing can happen in regard to gay marriage and other things. As time goes on, people will see that immoral lifestyles lead to terrible consequences. And those consequences can be evidence that these are against the will of God. We're going to continue to speak about these, uh, not because we enjoy putting people down, but because law and gospel means that you share the law so that people can come to an understanding that this is either for or against God's will. For people to say that I don't really care what God's will says, I'm still going to do it, that is putting your life in danger. And that's why we talked about uh, yesterday with Wes Reimnitz on excommunication. So we appreciate letters sent to us. And you can email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. I'm Tom Baker, and I'm looking forward to having you join us on Monday when we will be speaking again on a Bible passage for the following Sunday, showing the importance of understanding God's Word from a law and gospel perspective. And don't hesitate to continue to support Law and Gospel by sending us a donation. Listen carefully at the end of the broadcast for the address, and we'll be only too happy to receive those. I'm Tom Baker. Till Monday, God bless you.